And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. I don't know if you can hear the music or not. But here we go. It is... What is today? Tuesday, August 17th. And it is number... 300... Took a while to get here, but we're here, and it's here before you know it, right? It's it's like, yeah, we're we're that close, we're that close, and now oh, it's here. Three hundred episodes of this particular program, and it's not been a consecutive thing. We did our first one hundred between two thousand fourteen and two thousand eighteen, so it took us a while to get here, but here we are. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> the live chat's open. I see Cam1138, Manny uh, Cornejo in there. Welcome. Good to see you both. And what I thought I'd do today, because there's going to be some, there's going to be some changes. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, happy 300. Thank you very much. Glad to have everybody with us. So we're going to do a couple of things here. What I want to do, first of all, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go through a couple of real quick programming notes because of some things that we're doing here internally behind the scenes to give me a little bit of a break and also give us a chance to organize a little bit better because the goal of this show has always been to be more of an interview conversation program rather than me just ranting for an hour. So what we're going to do, because producing seven shows and hosting or co-hosting four of those, five of those, has got me a little burned out. So this is this is the beginning of this is beginning of the of the programming notes I'm going to give you. It's not going to be very very much. So right now, uh, for the rest of the month, we're going to take a little bit of a break on all of our shows, just to give us time to rest and recuperate and and kind of sit and evaluate where we are on everything. Hopefully we don't lose very many subscribers in the meantime. There's plenty of other videos, especially if you're new. There's plenty of other of other interviews and lots of videos that you can go through and explore. Y'all can catch up while we catch up. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to set up some, some better under-the-hood, behind-the-scenes mechanisms in order to make it easier to do all of the things that we do here. So tracking uh, guest interviews and invites and confirmations and books that we get into review and movies we get into review we don't we don't have a good tracking system for all of that yet and that's my fault we kind of just started doing things willy-nilly and there's not a whole lot of organization on the back end of this uh, 
so what we're going to do is you know we're going to we're going to devise our spreadsheets and our tracking and go through all of our emails and make sure we get all caught up on everything that we're supposed to be doing here and then we'll start rolling back into various programs bringing back now what's going to happen with good morning multiverse in the meantime we're going to stream we're going to we're going to pare that down a little bit as well so right now uh, about the only thing that we're going to do on Saturdays for the next two or three or four weeks is we'll do events and weather to make sure that that we stay on top of that uh, news items we're, we're probably going to let that go for now because I have some new ideas of some different things that I want to try but basically we've got to get all of the infrastructure in place first and with us doing the shows actually producing the shows and being on the air and doing all the clips and the other and that and the and and the the actual process of of producing the shows it takes the time away from organizing so we can do the shows better so we're going to take a little bit of a break but we're not gone we're not done not totally <laughs> I know there's been a time there have been times when we've gone dark before we're not we're not going dark we're just paring back a little bit for the time being so um, hopefully you all stick with us when we come out of this on the other side of it hopefully it's going to be bigger better more streamlined we'll have a little bit better process as far as uh promoting our shows making sure that you know when we're going to go on the air and do our do our stuff so hopefully you stick with us i understand if you don't but that's how things go and i got gnats in the studio And yes, my Mike Jimmy organization is important. Can't work properly without it. And and I will admit, I will admit that since two thousand nine, when we started all of this, when I started this, a great deal of this operation has been me flying by the seat of my pants and when we came back in 2019 uh, i had i had more organization in place uh but yeah there's still there's still some things that probably need to happen in order for us to actually really be on top of things so that's it's 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 basically just this is one of our uh, I don't see that this is one of our abort or pivot points, but this is going to be one of those things where we just kind of take a step back and and line up our ducks and our cats a little bit better than we had. And then is because moving forward as we grow, because assuming that our subscriber count goes up and it's going up on Odyssey. Uh, it's going up slowly on YouTube, but assuming that our subscriber count continues to grow, in order for all of this to be scalable, we've got to be able to, you know, make sure that we can keep track of everything. So it's it's just one of those things. I gotta I gotta get everything lined up. All right. So in the meantime, today, since we're three hundred, 
Um, I had a couple of different two or three ideas for what we could do today and, and back and forth and finally just figured, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do an open mic night. Uh, we're going to um, open things up for you. And if you've got a project especially that you want to uh, promote, if you want to be a part of the program, just see, you know, say hi to everybody or whatever, you are more than welcome. We've pinned the link to the top of the chat in, uh, in YouTube. Let me see. Bum, 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 bum. Facebook just changed everything. Facebook just changed their layout. So now, now I've got to figure out where the stupid thing is for everything. No, no, Facebook no, no. Just... Stop. Turn that off. All right. So there's that. So here's the comments. Um, uh, let's, no. I hate Facebook. I really do hate Facebook. All right, the link the link in Facebook is the first the first comment. Um, so if you're watching on any of these now, the link is the link is available everywhere. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Facebook, you're watching on Odyssey. Uh, by the way, I do want to encourage you to find us over on Odyssey. Right now, we're sitting at 119, I think. Uh, so if you've got um, if you've got any interest in alternative channels, uh, we we really would like you to find us over there as well. And all of the social medias you can find us at sci you know just sci-fi for me, and there we are. Uh, hello, Druby. Good to see you. So that's that's the thing. Now yesterday I went off a little bit. Uh, went off. I went off script a little bit talking about what was going on in Afghanistan. And today we're getting. Now, I, I this is relevant because this is Tim Russ who played Tuvok in Star Trek Voyager, posting on Twitter, "Quote: The Taliban are as fanatical about their beliefs and culture as the millions of people right here in the U.S. who believe in religion, conspiracy theories, and alternate reality." That's a hot take, Tim Russ. I wonder I wonder how long it's going to take because Michael Moore has been making these comparisons as well. But how long is it going to be, ladies and gentlemen, before that comparison becomes the norm? Before people sit there and say, uh, yeah, well, the, you know, because right now the pandemic of the unvaxxed, but, but how soon before they start targeting any people of faith? Tis a question to ponder, right? I don't know. All right, so let me do this. Let's do that. We have our first guest who's going to be here part of the program and let me turn that let me do that and you are on hello color what's your name uh -huh. <laughs> jay uh -huh. lee uh -huh. 
Um, I am JJ, the creator of the Spine Bar Churchill. Um, um, also, also and I was just trying to say, and the hot thing is crap. crap. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm trying to hear these guys get on Twitter. I'm going to explain something. The Taliban over here. Watched all pictures, all posters, written in, and featured being written down. Okay, okay. Everybody, everybody that saw uh, the email, the women, the women there, just lost all their rights. rights. They're going to be really bad. bad. I don't care I don't what anybody says in the media. media. This, this is not going to be good. All right. Hang on just a second here, Jay. I'm going to know that we've got Echo. So I'm thinking it's probably on my end. So I'm going to have to do something different here. Hang on just a sec. All right. Let's try that right there. That better? Is that better, everybody? Manny Bo uh, Borg Pork, I see in the chat. Is that all right? Go ahead, Jay. Let's uh, let's give you another couple of minutes, and and then we got other people lined up. So, okay. Um, real quick, my second book just hit. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. My second book just got released yesterday. The Steins. The Steins is a horror trilogy. Um, it is based on a girl named Mary Jade von Stein. Um, her life was turned upside down with the death of her parents. Now she's having to live in Europe with a bunch of vampires, werewolves, and undead. Plus all of that, but there's the assassins that killed her parents that are coming after her. So that's the premise of my books. Um, like I said, book two just came out yesterday. So pick them up. Uh, website is www.thevonsteins.com. What, what was that website again? The Von Steins, V-O-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. The Von Steins dot com you can also pick it up on amazon if you want okay now were these crowdfunded projects or was this something that you just did this is straight up published okay yeah so there so the minute you buy it the minute you order it it's on the way all right that website's not pulling up for me can you put that in the in the private chat and we'll and we'll drop it in and and make sure that people get the correct link there okay all right, Jay, thank you very much for being here, sir. We're going to move on here to, uh, let's see, well, let's, let's double check. Let's first, ah, I was spelling it wrong. That's why. Okay, thevonsteins.com is the website, and you can find that there. Thanks very much for sharing, sir. All right, now, all right, next up, Mike Jimmy, who up, is... I, yeah, go. No, I hope you can all hear me right. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Awesome. I'm here to promote my little book called Life in Korra, issue four, Inner Tons. And will be, full, be fulfilling in only a couple of weeks. And currently, it's on Indiegogo still. It's in demand. And we are... Um, well underway. We are, we're only waiting for one more goodie, and then everything is going to be shipped out. Um, and we got two very nice variant covers. One by Nina Daisy Aberline, and by Rich Parada. And very this nice. is a sci-fi world-building series where every single issue we look at a different kind of creature and we see how they live on a very improbable world. So. Very cool. 
Um, right, yeah, me... it's, it's incredible to work on. Um, oh, there we go. And there it is. Life on Card number four, Inner Talents. Now, you, you, you're you in the Netherlands? Yes. Okay, so how... How do you have your plan for fulfillment overseas? So if you've got... Because I know a lot of people, whenever whenever you're outside the United States... There's a concern about shipping and all of this. So, what kind of uh, what kind of mechanisms do you have in place to get to the U.S. So and other parts of the world? What I'm gonna do um, is send my you know, all the boxes with all the backer uh, backer numbers to over to RJ uh, on Critical Blast, and then he is going to fulfill from within the United States. So, United States shipping is only $10, and it's the same within the European Union and in the UK. So, we managed to get it down real low, and there's catch-up tiers for the entire series. You can get original art from the comic itself. Um, you can even get plushies from the main character from Love of Korra 3. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, we, we have a ton of uh, fun things. We even have a tier where you can design your own creature and we will make it canon within the series. Very cool. So how, how what kind of response have you gotten? Because you're now at number four. I would imagine that uh, response has been fairly positive. I mean, is do you see your... Do you see your audience growing with each issue? Are things getting bigger and better? Or about the same. Um, on the first issue, we um, we published the first two issues. We published ourselves. We paid for it entirely, um, and we took the first one to conventions already. Um, we finished the second one just before COVID shut down everything. Right. Um, and we already had people come back to us to our con table every single time, going, "When is issue two coming out?" And I was working on it, and I was like, oh my god, I need to get this to people. Um, and then we went to uh, crowdfunding with issue 3, and we raised 1,200 euros, just about. And now we're putting 1,500 euros on top of that. So yeah, we're getting a very positive response, and people are really, really digging this comic. Now, I'm, I'm seeing, because in certain campaigns a lot of the a lot of the goals are pretty high five thousand ten thousand you know that kind of thing your goals not that high was that a deliberate decision a, de a, a choice on your end why um yes because i was going to fulfill this comic anyway i was going to make it in any case because i trust in what we do we've had positive responses it was just a matter of getting it um more into the world while you know everything was shut down and it's been paying off it's um gotten wonderful reviews on from issue three and issue four so far has got gotten very positive responses from proofreaders as well and yeah, we're just going to keep going. Uh, we got scripts up to issue 10 as well, so we're <laughs> I, I'm just going to keep going on this. And yeah, I, I pay for most of it myself. Um, I pay my colorist, uh, I pay my writers, and I'll do the pencils and inks and final editing. 
and then I fulfill the, uh, the campaigns myself as well. But I don't care about the money, money I'm investing because I am enjoying this uh, series so much and it's, it's incredible to work on um, to the point where the money doesn't matter because I know it's going to come back eventually. Well, that's a healthy attitude to have there as far as, you know, you got to spend money to make money, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, the ca the campaign Life on Cora number four, Inner Talents. Let me throw that up there real quick. Thank you for being here and letting people know about that. Yeah, now, do you have uh, socials or any way? What's the best way to find um, uh, you your can work? Find my, uh, you can find us on fairiesandins.com. Um, with, or on my Twitter um, at and underscore ends. It's in my name tag normally too, but you buy those. There we go, right there. Um, I'm most active on there. Um, otherwise, I'm Mike Jimmy De Brown on Facebook. But yeah, no. Uh, check me out on Twitter. I'll be most active there. And uh, all right, I'm Mike. Thanks very much for. For letting us know about your project. Good luck on it. Uh, it is in demand much. now, and uh, let us know when number five is ready to go, and we'll talk about it again. Yeah, love to. All right, thanks, All right. Mike. All right, now the um, let me show. Uh, let me show. Let me show. Let me show. Let me show. Let me show this one here, uh, because now I'm able to actually pull it up and show people. This is uh, from. Uh, earlier the steins the von steins.com so james lee uh he was here first talking about his project so here is the uh oh it looks like he's going to be at the arlington comics festival in texas so i wonder if he's from texas so there it is the von steins number two so uh, anybody uh, is interested go check those out and uh, the phone lines are open. I mean, here we go. So if you guys want to want to jump in and promote your work, promote your your if you've got a podcast, if you've got a YouTube channel, if you've got a comic book that's funding, let us know about it. And if you've got some thoughts on what uh, what's going on anywhere else, I we're gonna try to keep it. We're gonna kind of keep it relatively within the genre sandbox so you know we want to keep everybody moving in the same kind of uh direction here in terms of topics uh mike thanks very much for being here we're happy to happy to highlight uh other creators hopefully we'll be able to do more of that i think we're probably going to start incorporating some kind of an open mic uh, episode on the regular but we've got to figure out when because right now we're doing Monday through Thursday most shows if you're listening to the, like talk radio or whatever most of the shows will do their open line uh, edition on Fridays where you can basically you know call in and talk about whatever it is you want but since we don't do a show on Friday it's kind of difficult for us to do that so we're gonna we're going to figure some things out again this is we're brand just getting started reorganizing some stuff so we're brainstorming some ideas we're going to try to kick around some different things to do and uh and then we'll be back bigger and better than ever or something i guess right all right so 
let's see here where we're at. We're at 1907 on YouTube. And that's a little disappointing because the beginning of last or, or over the weekend uh, on Friday, we were at 1911. And we lost six and we've gained two back. So it's one of those things, you know, you know take a step forward, two steps back, step forward, two steps back. We're making progress, but, you know, we're the tortoise in the race. I guess. Overnight success will come after about 15 years, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be doing this 15 years. 12 and a half so far. We'll see how long we last. Open mic uh, today live from the bunker. Now, yeah. The other thing that I could gritch and complain about. I don't know if you saw. Uh, I mentioned, I mentioned micro, micro, uh, not Microsoft. I mentioned Facebook had changed their stuff. I get in there and I log in today. And they've got this thing now. And I don't know if this is rolled out to everybody yet. But when I logged in and I go, I go to the Sci-Fi for Me page, now it's telling me, hey, we've got a new page layout. And it switches me. So now I'm seeing all of Facebook within the Sci-Fi for Me page profile, not my personal account profile. So the news feed, everything else, it's basically giving me this, okay, switch profiles. You want it your personal profile or you want your page profile? And you can't, you have to actually manually switch between the two everywhere. I don't know what the reasoning is on this, but Facebook has just made it more complicated to do Facebook. And I know we've got, uh, what, 2,200 followers over there. And not a whole lot of interactivity. I'm I'm at the point where I'm ready to drop pretty much all of the socials because we don't get very much out of them anyway. But it's entirely possible that I just haven't figured out the best way to use them yet. So, you know, I mean, they're still new-ish. And I'm an old man. And I don't take to change very well. Unless you want to put change in my pocket, I'm fine with that. But change for the sake of change is kind of dumb. And whatever this, whatever this new thing is that Facebook's trying to do, I'm not exactly sure that it's the best idea. And I'm noticing my clocks back there are not all lined. One of them might be dead. Now that I'm thinking about it and I'm looking at that. Because they're not all telling me the same time. I need to look at that when I get done here. The things what you notice. Mm. I showed I showed this off yesterday. I'm gonna let you let you see it here again. Behind me, a brand new Star Wars poster. Yeah, yeah, just like just like the situation room at Camp David. Yeah. But mine have to be manually set. I don't think theirs does, but yeah, you know, we're gonna give that. So um 
Here, let me let me grab this. This is kind of cool. Y'all see this here? Ah, let's do that. All right, so this is uh, this is a vintage 1977 Star Wars poster. And according to the note that came with it, it is actually from 1977. And it is in very good shape for what it is, for as old as it is. Now we got to figure out where we're going to put it. But yeah, we've got, uh, we've got a new Star Wars poster. And that's, that's something that Mrs. Boss found in a antique shop, vintage shop, thrift shop, antique mall over the weekend. So... There we are. Very cool. Mrs. Boss is always thinking of me. She treats me right. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about laundry. <clears throat> I could tell that story, but I don't think I'm going to. It was innocent. It, it, it was. It was. It was a mistake. Um, honest mistake. Cam, no, that is not an IBM PS2 computer in the background. That, actually, over there in the corner, is an Apple II. Not an Apple II. It's a, it's a Macintosh. I want to say it's the third or fourth iteration of the Mac. Um, I had it in my head one time. It's not, it's not, the, it's not the Macintosh. It's not the Apple II. It's, it's not the first Macintosh. I want to say it's the second or third iteration of the Macintosh. But it still works. I could go and turn it on, and it still works. I can't do anything with it. But it still works. Yeah, James I, I remembers the Tandy 1000. I remember the Tandys. I remember Tandy, I remember Commodore 64. I learned computer programming on a Commodore 64 in high school. I think I just dated myself. <clears throat> but yeah, that's uh that's that's that. Um I don't know I don't know if the first Mac had an integrated monitor or not, Kim. You're remembering better than I am. Um, Atari 800. I have a, I have the Atari 2600 over here, ready to go. I just have to get the interface to put it into Twitch, because that's also on the list of things. Maybe what we want to do, because my 2600, my Atari 2600. We have, we have two here. And the reason we have two is because we got we got one uh, through a yard sale thing. They were getting rid of a bunch of stuff, so we said, "Okay, we'll go ahead and get one." Because we weren't able to find my original one yet. And then my mother sends me a picture. They found it. So the original twenty six hundred that I had when they first came out, however many some odd years ago, forty years ago now, I have that one now, and I cleaned it up. And I cleaned up all of the game cartridges and put them through the test, you know, popped them in and turned them on and, and hooked them up. And pretty much all of them work, except for two. Two game cartridges failed. One was Pitfall from Activision, and the other one was uh, a Coleco cartridge for Zax Zaxxon. 
So those two didn't go, but everything else works. And oddly enough, the one that worked immediately without any kind of jiggling or wiggling or push it in and try it again or what nothing you try to finagle it them the one that just started up just just perfect et <laughs> so, yeah so yes i have i have uh, an original et cartridge and it works um cam says it's got the 800 and 2600 sitting in a box uh, James still has the original Atari for school learned computers. The TRS-80. Oh, I remember the TRS-80. Uh, Cam says they had a VIC-20 and Commodore 64 at school. The Commodore 64 was very popular in schools. Um, and d you've seen the, the retro keyboard that's been out here now for, what, a year, year and a half, two years? They've recreated the Commodore 64 keyboard in order to uh, get that that retro feeling back what's old is new again seems like we can't get out of the 80s and early 90s for whatever reason i don't know if it's a nostalgia thing or if it's just recognizing that that's the best we're ever going to get and it's not ever going to get any better i'm not sure what that says about us as a society Cam says the Commodore 64 keyboard was mushy. What do you mean mushy? I don't know what that means. I don't. I, I never really. I never really had a problem with the keyboard. 80s was peak culture. Well, I mean, stop and consider the 80s were when. Oh, as opposed to clicky. Oh, I I get it. So there was soft uh, softer keyboard. It wouldn't go. Yeah, I get it. I get you. I get you. The 80s. I mean. Those of us who are of an age, and Tim Harvey and I have talked about this before, my generation is the last generation, really, that grew up without computers, without home computers, without personal computers, because they started out in the 80s, we started getting PCs, by the time you had people that were born in the very late 70s, early 80s, by the time they get old enough to realize that there's these things called computers, we have computers now. And my generation had to make the adjustment. It was relatively easy because, you know, we're kids, we're teenagers. It's like, oh, this is a new, new thing that we're learning here. But we're learning basic we're learning COBOL. We're learning um, uh, uh, hexadecimal. You know, basic basic computer programming. Thinking that that would be the thing that we'd have to learn to have to understand how to use these things. And as computers got more advanced and as they as they got more refined and more more gadgets and widgets and whizmos that they're able to do. You know, the user interface, and then, of course, Windows and, and Apple come around. And uh, 1984 is when the Apple, <laughs> the Macintosh, and it was one of those things where now you have 
a user and a graphic user interface instead of having to do everything through the the command prompts and it changed everything and revolutionized and and you have to relearn and oh well now you don't have to really learn computer language computer programming in order to use a personal computer maybe a good thing maybe not a good thing because when something goes wrong with your computer there's only a certain number of people who could do anything with it to fix it I mean I'm I'm currently sitting in the midst of four monitors in the studio and I can only use two because the computer that I've got will see the connection to the other monitors but it won't talk to the other monitors and I'm not sure why and now I'm sitting there going okay I gotta figure this out but I don't have the background and the training in IT in order to do all of this so I'm gonna have to poke and prod and hunt and peck and see what else we're gonna be able to do uh, Manny says I'd like to think it was a nostalgia thing and a lack of, ag of imagination as to why we can't get out of the 70s and 80s well the administration thinks it's 1979. <clears throat> Robert, good to see you in the chat. I was going to ask if you guys had pet computers in school. They came up about one or two years before the VIC-20s. Commodore Pets. I did not have any experience on a Commodore Pet. Uh, like I said, I, I did the, the Commodore 64, but other people probably had experience with that as well. So... Um, Let's see here. Um, let me do that because I forgot to do this. All right, here's that. I'm going to put the... All right, so the link to Mike's project, uh, Indiegogo campaign there. I forgot to do that while he was on. So there's that. So we've got uh, the vonsteins.com for James, and we've got uh, Mike's project. So if you're interested, you go. Here's a, uh, an interesting news item. The Comics Committee of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. Now, you know, those of you who may remember, they came out late last year and said, Alan Dean Foster hasn't been paid by Disney. And that opened up a whole can of worms with a lot of people that said, um, I haven't been paid by Disney either. And the discussion has expanded and the science fiction and fantasy writers of America have now gotten into comics page rates and talking about how writers and artists are compensated over there and they did a survey now the sample set is not large may qualify it there but they give us uh, they give us a press release today have announced survey results documenting current industry norms for advances and per-page payment rates for the work of comics writers and graphic novelists. So here's here's who they survey. They got 61. They got 16 acquiring editors, publishers, literary agents responded to the first survey designed for industry professionals. And we've got a report they can download, but the key findings here. They say 61 creators of comics and graphic novels responded to the second survey. So the industry, the editors and publishers and the agents responded to one survey, 
and the creators, the writers and illustrators, responded to another survey. So key findings from the surveys. This is according to the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. The median advance creators receive for a graphic novel, not a single issue comic book, this is a graphic novel, so figure anywhere from 48 to 60, 72 pages. Median advance creators received for a graphic novel was $9,400 solely for writing, $32,000 for creators who both wrote and illustrated their books. For comics that pay by the page, the median rate received solely for writing was $60 a page. The median rate for both writing and illustration was $70 a page. Now, it doesn't say here what the median is for just illustrators which I find odd. Creators who were paid by other methods than advances or per page rates reported similar figures with a median of 8780 8, paid for their work. Over half of those paid another way reported that they were paid via royalties only with no advance. Crowdfunding and patronage models were also reported. So this is also counting crowdfunded projects in these numbers. Industry professionals were asked what they felt was the minimum professional advance and per-page rates for writing comics or an average-length graphic novel. The high and median answers given were the same, roughly 10000 indicating a high level of agreement with that advance figure as a minimum professional rate. The median rate per page, however, $45 per page with a high of 100 a page and a low of 25 a page. Now, I have not been in the comics industry. I've not been a comics creator. But I'm looking at this and I'm thinking $45 a page? That seems really low. And I have to wonder uh, if some of these other guys who are commenting on this, uh, I, I would really be interested to see what Perch says about this because... Uh, you've got Wes over at Thinking Critical. You've got Comics Perch. You have, uh, of course, you've got Ethan and 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 your boy Zach and and just some guy and v various others who are familiar with some of this stuff. Shane Davis, John Malin. I'm wondering if that number sounds right because there's been a lot of chatter lately over on Twitter and other social media with regard to how much the comics industry professionals are getting paid by the traditional publishers, DC and, uh, DC and Marvel, the big ones. And some of it comes out of, um, some of it comes out of the, the conversation about whether or not they're getting paid as a royalty, as a bonus, or for any of any of their material that ends up getting used for the TV and movies, James says that's that's totally right. DC and Marvel have not changed their rates in twenty five years. I would think that something is wrong with that model. If that's the business model that you're in, and you haven't changed your business model to reflect the current status of everything in 25 years but the comics industry is doing great is what we keep getting told comics are fine the industry's booming 
That's what we've been hearing, right? But your going rate is $45 a page? Yeah, and it is right. That's a good point, James. Didn't did didn't say what artists get. Brett Booth says he's getting three hundred a page from Marvel. And depending on how much work you've got, how much experience you have, how popular your work is, because there are some people who are probably getting paid more than they're worth, depending on how good they are as artists or writers. Um, you know, I've seen. Uh, I've seen chatter lately about whether or not the good stuff put out by Mark Wade is actually put out by Mark Wade. Um, I've, I've started to see speculation as far as whether or not he might have had help in some of the stuff that is his more notable work. I don't, I can't speak to that one way or the other. But a lot of people are starting to think, well, maybe there's something to that. Of course, right now, it's just gossip. But $45 a page for a writer. Um, when I do a, a television commercial, for example, uh, my, my rate, it's a, it's, a little, it's a little different because I'm not making a comic book. If I'm making a TV, I'm making a TV spot, it's 30 seconds long usually. And I, I'll charge anywhere from 300 to 1000 depending on what it is. It just depends. But my baseline figuring my day rate, I guess you could say, is roughly $50 an hour. So if I were to spend eight hours drawing a comic book page, I'm not saying I'm going to, eight times 50, that's 400 so, even three hundred dollars a page, to me, if you're if you're top tier. Now, I I get it. You know, expert, journeyman, amateur, starting out, whatever. And I don't mean amateur as in not very good amateur. I mean, in the sense of the original definition of the word amateur, where you're doing it because you love to do it. And say entry level artists, I, I know entry level is not going to get paid as much as the people who've been doing it for 30 years. But those page rates to me seem a little low. But again, I'm not in the industry, I don't know what the average should be. It just strikes me that that's, that's a little low. Well, we'll see what works out. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't see anything really big news-wise in the emails. So we're going to have to... Uh, well, well... Kevin's, oh, oh, yeah. All right, so there's early word. There's a possibility that Kevin Smith could be directing episodes of The Acolyte. Uh, 
I, I'm okay with that because a couple of things. As a director, your responsibilities for your, your, your creative control is different than if you're a producer or a writer, if you're a creative developer. So I get it. Leslie Hedlund and whatever their writer's room is going to be. Okay, fine. Uh, but as a director, I think Kevin, Kevin Smith is fine as a director. He's directed some episodes of the various different CW superhero shows, and they've all, they've all been pretty well put together. So I don't have any problem if Kevin Smith is going to direct a show because the directors for television shows especially, but you see this with like the DCE or Marvel movies especially, the directors are not responsible for the creative direction of the show. The showrunner is responsible, and the director comes in and does that episode and then leaves or does one or two episodes and is done. So, you know, like Jonathan Frakes directing episodes of Picard or Discovery we can still hate Picard and Discovery, but Jonathan Frakes is a good director. And everybody has very positive things to say about him as a director, as an actor's-focused director, as somebody who can actually make those connections with people, and he's very professional on set, and he's very courteous, he's very polite to everybody. So, I'm, a, I'm fine if they want to hire Kevin Smith to direct Acolyte. I don't know that the Acolyte is going to move forward still. Because they still have to write the scripts. The writer's room is put together, yes. And a lot can happen between putting the writer's room together and going on the air with the show. So... Okay, Kevin Smith wants to direct some Acolyte, let him direct some Acolyte. If the show makes, and it goes, it goes to Disney+, Plus and it's good or bad, it'll stand on its own merits. And fans will either like it or they won't like it. And then the proof will be in the numbers. And then does it get a second season or not? That is, you have to take these things just one step at a time. And right now, we're just in the writer's room phase. The scripts are being written. There's, no, there's nothing that I've seen. I have not come across anything that says it's guaranteed to move forward because maybe it doesn't. It probably will. But maybe it doesn't. Uh, Cam says, keep all the trash together. I See, we make these judgment calls. We make these snap decisions. And, our, and I get it. Preconceived notions being what they were. We make assumptions that the acolyte is going to be garbage. We have to be very careful about that. Because... These knee-jerk reactions, and, and Leslie Hedlund has said things that cause me some concern, but she's also said things that track with 
somebody who wants to tell a good story. So it's a mixed bag right now. So I'm not going to automatically assume that something is going to be terrible. We, we have to be careful not to step into that trap because there are people out there on a certain particular side of the aisle, ideologically speaking, who do make those snap decisions and snap judgments about all of us who don't agree with them. You know, story comes first. Good characters, good writing, good direction. It's not about it's not about identity politics. It's not about gender politics. It's not about what your pronouns are. And and the people who focus on those things, they're the ones who make these snap judgments that we're alt-right, bigot, Nazi, whatevers. We can't do the same thing. We have to be careful. I, and yes, Cam, I try to be a very nice person. <coughs> and, and I get it. And, you know, Cam says, I don't have any reason to believe they have any intention of telling a good story. Again, it's an easy assumption to make. I, I just think that there are too many moving parts that we haven't seen yet to 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 assume the worst cautious optimistic maybe cautious optimism might be okay i mean if you if you want to sit there and say you know i'm i'm going to assume the worst and that way i don't get disappointed i'll be pleasantly surprised that's right if they do something good then great that'll be a nice little bonus i just I just worry that a lot of, and not just Disney, I think a lot of what we're doing here, assuming that everything is going to be terrible, how good is that for our own mental health and emotional health? You know, Cam says, my optimism is dead. Disney killed it when they treated Corona like they did. And that's true for a lot of people. And from a business standpoint, what Disney did was very stupid. And they've been called out on it as being very stupid. And there are a lot of fans who said, that was stupid. I'm not going to do business with you anymore. I'm not going to give you my money. And that's where it, that's where it matters. And I've said this before. Our, our, our dollars and our votes is how we exert a certain amount of control over some of this stuff. So, Cam says, I feel better having set them aside. Now I don't have to keep being disappointed. Well, you know, and that's, and that's the other thing. I mean, how, how much, how many times do you get burned on something before you just walk away from it? And I would say that's probably the decision that you make to leave a thing behind rather than make the assumption that's going to be terrible just just don't even pay attention to it anymore. You're, you're done with it. Um, for me, Star Trek, Star Wars... I mean, I, I saw the trailer for Visions, Star Wars Visions, the new anime thing, the, the anime anthology. I gotta admit, looks pretty cool. I'm very curious. So... 
Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Robert has a suggestion he's made before. One, social media is about emotion, not information. Give yourself an edge like when you interviewed Gary Guy Gass Jr. Do more of that. <laughs> oh, Robert. Oh, Robert. That's, that's quite amusing. Uh, what happened with, with Gygax is a weird, a weird thing. So, yeah, and we do lean into our, our demographics a little bit. Um, the, the thing, see, and the thing is, because I'm 51 and because I am from a time where we were taught to be a little bit more polite to each other, the younger things, the younger people are the ones who are all rage bait and everything has to be angry stuff. And I don't, I don't want I don't, I don't want to do that. It's bad for my blood pressure for one. Um, what happened with with Ernie Gygax was a was a fluke. Um, it was there's critical blast. RJ in the chat. We were talking about you earlier uh, about your uh, fulfillment for life on Cora, number four. So uh, good to see that deal going on. Cam says I'm middle aged rage. See, and you know, and there are so many of the channels that are out there now that that everything's doom and gloom. Everything's we're gonna hate it. We're gonna. It's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be bad. You're, we're making these assumptions that everything is going to be a disaster. And I've never seen that as a sustainable model. And maybe I'm wrong. It, it it could very well be that I am wrong. It's been known to happen. Because we're not growing very fast. Maybe maybe it's because we're a little bit more. I don't want to say refined, um, a little bit more polite, a little bit more neutral. I don't know. It just, there are channels that I've been watching and eventually it becomes the same shtick. This is going to be garbage. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be bad. This is going to be ugly. This is going to be, oh, this is, you know, all of this stuff. And eventually you just, you know, just hit the repeat button. There's nothing original about hating on the same thing all the time, all the time, all the time. And there are channels that capitalize on that. And they're doing very well and good on them. 100,000 subscribers, 300,000 subscribers, whatever. But then you also look at channels like Star Wars Theory, for example, uh, who does not do the rage bait type of programming, at least not as his primary thing. And th I think there is room for that. I think there's there's room for, you know, I can I can sit here and I can reminisce, if you will, about classic Star Trek and classic Battlestar Galactica and classic Doctor Who and classic Buck Rogers and, and, and all of those things. And there are people out there who are going to identify with us. People of an age, I guess you could say. 
there's there's no one fixed formula though because what appeals to people my age may not appeal to people in their 20s and you also have to re remember too that there are people and, and not everybody but there are people who are in their 20s for whom nothing happened on this earth in this universe before they were born so you sit there and you start talking about these things and and we've done this a number of times you know go, you know turn turn to your parents and ask about buck rogers gil gerard or star trek or battlestar galactic or whatever and it's a nice funny haha -ha joke and you know we can you know wink at ourselves that we're older but finding that mix finding that balance of appreciating what's come before and evaluating what's out now and 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 having that mixed together in a way that appeals to a broader audience than just the 50 year olds that's something you you know you're constantly trying to find that mix you're trying to find that balance and figure out okay well what do we do to appeal to people i'm not i could very easily go alex jones on several topics on occasion not every day i again that's that that would be bad for my blood pressure but i could i could do that kind of thing i don't want to i don't feel especially like it would be a good look and maybe maybe somebody out there wants to do that and we've talked about doing a show called Fahrenheit 1984 where we basically look at all of the stuff that's happening in the world and compare it to all of these dystopian uh, stories that we've had in the past that could be a thing that could be our Alex Jones programming but I don't know that that's beneficial for the entire channel to be that way. Um, maybe a program. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe not. Who knows? All right, so... We have gone an hour already. Look at that. That's crazy. The brave new Fahrenheit 1984 games. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one, RJ. That one's that one's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, see, and we've and we've talked about we've talked about putting together an OnlyFans for the Office dogs. That, who knows? Maybe that's the thing we ought to do, right? All right. So, <coughs> I want to thank James Lee and. Uh, Oh, Mike, Jimmy. Oh, let me let me make sure I get this right. Let me do this real quick because we're on we're on the tail end of our show here. But uh, just want to let me th let me throw these up here one last time for people who are interested in checking these out. The Vonsteins.com, James Lee with the Steins number two that's just come out. And Life on Core number four from, uh, let me get down here, Mike, 
Jimmy. All the way down here. Wow, he's got he's got a lot to scroll through here. Dun -ba -dun -ba -dun. Mike Jimmy DeBrun. Hopefully I'm saying that right. So uh, thanks uh, to the both of them for coming on and talking about their projects. And um, good luck on those. If you're interested, the links are in the chat. And that's it for 300. So um, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little bit of time reorganize behind the scenes back here a little and then we will be back probably i want to say the beginning of september maybe sooner it just depends we're gonna we're gonna organize some stuff put some spreadsheets and, and things together and then be watching all of our socials because that's where we're going to be putting a bunch of announcements and news and and those kind of things so if you're uh, if you're with us uh, on on this stuff, uh, subscribe to all. Now that's an that's an old one, uh, but all of the socials you can find us. Uh, Sci-fi for me is the is the handle, and we're on all of them. We have Facebook. We've got Twitter. We've got Pinterest. We've got Instagram. We've got MeWe. We've got a page on LinkedIn, we're on Gab, we're on Parlor, we're on Locals. So, all of those places where you can find us uh, and, and uh, connect with us over there. Odyssey, I've got a, we've got a thing set up on Rumble, but I haven't done anything with it. Odyssey seems to be a little bit better uh, as far as user-friendly. We have a Discord. I haven't done anything with it. We've got a Twitch channel. So all of those places you can find us doing things. But eventually we'll be doing things. We're not going to do things a lot right now. But it's getting there. We're coming back. So stick with us. Stay subscribed. We'll have some stuff on Saturday with events and weather. We're going to continue doing that because events... Are coming back people are getting ready to go out to comic cons cosplayers and 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 comic book fans and people who want to go see the actors and whatnot we're going to stay on top of the changes in masking policies vaccinations c2e2 and new york comic con both just came out saying vaccinations are going to be required so you know things are constantly in flux there so we're going to stay on top of those. We'll have regular updates. Saturdays, for now, are going to just concentrate on uh, the school closings list and the weather forecast. We'll, we'll build back to what we were doing before, but you know, we're, I'm, I'm basically just kind of scaling back so I can, I can take a break a little bit. And then we'll be back full bore. So thanks very much for being here, folks. Uh, 300 wow 300 you never know what's going to happen next but we will let you know so stick with our socials interact with us share links make sure you're subscribed have your notifications turned on we will be back very soon remember a couple of things a hot take is usually the sign of a fevered brain
and there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.